0: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real! Ricky Hout
1: rocks the world! How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass.
0: It's over! Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network, I am your host Sean, joined as always by Jamie for another Big Fight Reaction show and in this show we are going to be covering the weekend's action, we're going to start with Tiafimo Lopez and Jermaine Ortiz from the Thursday night. Controversy. Was it a robbery? Wasn't it a robbery? Of course, we will be discussing that. To start the show, we're going to talk about the weekend's action. We had a great fight between Liam Dillon and Reese Bellotti. Hamza Sheraz absolutely blitzing out Liam Williams in the first round. And of course, some other boxing news that's been going around over the past few days since myself and Jamie last was on... big fight preview for that weekend so Jamie as always welcome it's another week we're going to be doing another show with some more brilliant talking points with these fights and brilliant opinions as always and of course I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got to say about some of these things and some of the announcements that have been made or as well as to be made so before I come to yourself I'm just gonna to say to everybody, please, 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 before we get started, make sure you check out this week's Legendary Nights episode, the tale of Nigel Ben versus Chris Eubank. It is an absolute belter so far for me personally. It's probably the best of the season. So please do go and check that out this week. Jamie, welcome again. You're back on Big Fight Reaction Show. Another weekend of action. Some good fights. Some interesting fights. Some controversial fights and some interesting news to talk about this week.
1: Yeah, it's been a nice varied mixed bag, hasn't it? Um, I've even been taken back to Halloween, really, looking at Liam Williams and his performance, uh, because I think a skeleton could have put up a better fight than he did. Uh, But we'll discuss that a little bit later on. Um, The talk of controversy has been in the air again. When is it not in boxing? So I'm looking forward to discussing that. Personally, I don't think there has been any controversy to be had. I think whenever there's sort of a boring fight and then someone's, you know, doing a little bit more than someone else, is like, oh, oh, they've definitely won the fight. Uh, but again, uh, we're going to get into that in a bit more depth. And the absolute crackerjack of a fight, uh, the British title fight, that took me back to my youth a little bit. Um, we were discussing it before when we showed about, you know, the old British title fights for our American viewers um, or listeners, I should say. Um There used to be a lot of shows on Sky Sports, which is our big channel over here, that were covered in uh, leisure centres, which is like just a sports centre with a swimming pool and and maybe a gymnasium and all that. And they used to be covered. And and that's what the British title fight reminded me of. It took me back to the youth and and those sort of uh, great leisure centre fights. So, you know, the bit of nostalgia, absolutely cracking fight, reminding us what the uh, British title is worth to these fighters. Still the most beautiful belt in boxing. and, And you can tell by the passion has put forth in terms of fighting for it. Yeah, I, I think we've had uh we've been spoiled a little bit in terms of talking points, haven't we A Bit of variation.
0: Yeah, I think we're gonna start of course, like I said, with the Ortiz and Lopez fight from Thursday. You know, I looked at that fight, I look back on that fight now and I think, why is there so much controversy around the decision? You know, there were people out there saying that Jermaine Ortiz was robbed and that it shouldn't have been the way it was and Bob Aram came out and just said himself, like, how could people even think it was a robbery? You know, there was a fight there where some... Someone just really wasn't engaging in the fight so much. And the other fighter had to chase the fight down. And there wasn't a lot exchanged in the fight. And and when it was exchanged in the fight, the cleaner work came from, from his man, as in Teofimo Lopez. And that's exactly how I saw it, to be honest with you. It's not often that I sit there and agree with Mr. Aram with certain decisions. But I think this one... When he comes out and makes a statement that I actually agree with, I have to, I have to give a bit of commendation because you know we've done a lot of stuff on him historically, and there's been some notable moments, of course, in his career as a manager and as a promoter over the years. So it's, uh, it's quite nice to actually be able to commendate him for a change and actually agree with uh, something yeah. that he's actually said here. Um, if you look at this fight, then Jamie, you mentioned it yourself. You've alluded to it already yourself about. The fact that it wasn't really controversial. We had one fighter in Ortiz who was fighting a lot of the time on the back foot and he was throwing but he weren't landing anything and at times he weren't throwing and at times he weren't getting involved and at times TF Emo a little bit of the same but I felt like he pushed the fight more and he landed the cleaner work in this fight. So when I looked at the scorecards. And I saw a 117-111 card. I was quite surprised that Tia Fimo got that card. Uh, I wasn't surprised at the 115-113 cards. I actually thought they were the right decisions. Because I felt it wasn't a close fight, if you know what I mean, Jamie. It wasn't a close fight as in there there was quality punches landed from both sides all the way through. It was one of them fights where it was hard to score in some regard. Because when you've got guys that are not really exchanging in the fight as much as kind of what you want them to, it's then difficult to be able to judge as to what you really want as, as as a fan and, of course, as a judge at ringside. How are you going to score a fight when there's not really much going on? And it boils down to, again, we've said this for the past few weeks running, it's a what-you-like kind of moment. So, obviously, fans watching that on Thursday looked at it and thought, well... Ortiz did enough, you know, he was he was better, his ring generalship was better, defensively he was better. They were they were making all these different reasons up for why he should have won the fight, but ultimately all I saw was TFEMO landing the cleaner work and and it was quite evident he was landing the cleaner work for the majority of the fight. And that's what I saw, and that's why I thought it was the right decision for Tfemo to win this fight.
1: Yeah, I had team uh TFEMO winning the fight as well. Um I've mentioned it on the podcast, you know, the last couple of weeks. When we've been talking about these so-called controversial decisions, some have been controversial, others haven't. Um, but I'm a fan of the sort of American school of thought, um, with the perceived American school of thought, where it's like you know pressure fighting, and and all right, it wasn't it wasn't a pressure fight. There was no real pressure there. You know, it looked like a glorified sparring session at times. But if you were to talk about pressure in its purest form in boxing, it's a fight that's going forward and forcing the fight. And there were times there where, you know, Tia was the one going forward and forcing the fight. Um, he clearly wasn't in fear of anything coming back um, by Ortiz because there were times where he was literally walking forward with his hands down as if he was waiting in a waiting in a supermarket queue, you know, with his hands down. Um, yeah, I just, you know, there's not really much to say on it. It was a boring fight. But, you know, we, we have to take the good with the bad in boxing. We have to discuss all sort of... Uh, Eventualities, and I thought, yeah, Teofimo Lopez definitely did enough to win. Um, I don't think he's setting the world alight in terms of, you know, we we talk again. Uh, I'm repeating another phrase: putting yourself in the shop window. It um, doesn't seem to be a fighter to do that. I think with Tio, um, what I've sort of come to realise, my own opinion of him is that he's a big night fighter, i.e he can only seem to get up for the big fights, And we, we've seen fighters like that in the past. Can't think of any off the top of my head now, but, you know, they really sort of rise to the big occasion. He rose against Josh Taylor. He rose against uh, Lomachenko, you know, and then there's been times where he's looked absolutely shocking in there. And I think that was one of these nights, to be honest. He didn't look shocking in terms of shot, but, you know, uh, Ortiz was doing nothing to sort of allow him the opportunity to really set the fight alight. So. Can't really blame him for that. Um, I mean, I'm boring myself talking about it. I don't sound very infused, but it wasn't a very infusing fight, was it? So that's uh, that's my final take on it.
0: Well, if you look at what's happened over the past few days, of course, we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but I just want to allude again to the fact that Ryan Garcia's now signed to fight Devin Haney. So that kind of takes big fights out of the way for Tia Fimo, something we were talking about in the preview for it. However... It's what what's interesting now for me, Jamie, is is Terence Crawford's talking a lot about T and TF talking a lot about Terence Crawford, and you know it's not really a fight I've even thought about, but is there a potential of TF Fimo moving up to one four seven and and taking that fight with Terence Crawford because that'd be an interesting fight. I think it'd be a it'd be a money fight, but then aside from Terence Crawford, there's also Kayshawn Davis who on the undercard he systematically broke down and stopped Jose Pajaza, which I think was a really, really big win for him. And I noticed in the, the lead-up to the fights this weekend, just gone, you know, there was a little bit of a conversation between them, a little bit of back and forth where Tiafimo had said something in an interview or a video and Keyshawn called him out in that and they sat next to each other like men and had a conversation like men. Sort of, it was like a prelude to what potentially could happen and I know after Keyshawn got the win... He called out Tiafimo Lopez and said he wants a Lopez fight. And I think that would be a quite ex- an exciting fight. I mean, with Keyshawn only 10 fights into his career, is he ready for something like this? I think he is. I think with his extended amateur pedigree, I think he, he could quite easily step up and have a big, big fight like this now against Tiafimo. But would it be the selling point for the fight? Would it sell? Because Keyshawn's not... He's not won a world title yet, whereas obviously Tiafimo, we know where he's at now and he's probably chasing the bigger fights. Maybe it'll be one of them who needs him club where Tiafimo doesn't really need him right now and maybe that'll be a fight that will come down the line because I think Tiafimo could get a Crawford fight because at the moment, we don't know what Crawford's doing. We don't know where he's going. We don't know what fight he's going to be having next and what weight it's going to be at. So, you know, there is a potential that Fimo might step up, and later this year we might see Tayfun Lopez at 147 against Terence Crawford, which would be a really great fight. It would, I'd be interested in that fight. It would, it would, it would really sell to me as a, as a fan because I think it'd be a, an interesting concept. So, what do you think about the two potential fights then that have been touted in the aftermath of Tio getting this win?
1: Um, I'm, well, firstly, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if. Um... Crawford does fight T.R. Lopez. I, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. It was maybe in passing during the show. Uh, they have been shouting at each other. Um, I think I think it would be a decent fight. And, you know, I mentioned before about uh, T.F.M.O. Lopez, big fight fighter. And I really think that Terence Crawford, if Terence Crawford doesn't go through him, same way he went through Errol Spence, which there's always that possibility, because uh, Terence Crawford, to me, is, you know, he's... And I don't mean any disrespect by this, but it's the only sort of way I can term it. He's a poor man's Marvin Hagler. <clears throat> now, when I say poor man's Marvin Hagler, I, I, in no way mean to belittle Terence Crawford. It's just Marvin Hagler was godlike to me, and uh, Terence Crawford is an elite fighter, Hall of Famer. But he wouldn't have got anywhere near someone like Marvin. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, he, he could, he could potentially walk through Tio Lopez. But if they were to fight, Lopez would definitely give the best account of himself. And uh, I think that's what he needs. I think he needs those motivating nights. Um, you know, we've, we've seen what's happened to him. We've talked about what happened in his personal life previously. I think, you know, so much happens in Tio's personal life. I think he's back with his sort of ex-girlfriend now. and And, you know, that family situation sort of calmed itself down. But, you know, there does seem to be a lot of drama. And if you're going to fight someone like Terence Crawford, I think fighting someone that sort of uh, that elite and that beastly will just force you to sort of really turn your attention away from your personal life and, and get the best out of yourself. So I think if they were to fight, I think that'd be the best thing for Tio Lopez. Like to be honest. I think that would scare him into a great performance. Don't think he'd win, but it's certainly a fight I'd want to see. In terms of Kishon Davis, uh, you say that, you know, it, it's too early and only 10 fights, and, you know, would, would Tio need him? But, I mean, everyone's got to have their time. Everyone's got to have their time to shine. I don't particularly think that Tank needed Ryan Garcia, um, but that fight happened. You know, it was uh, Ryan Garcia's foot in the door and to try and get himself into the, into the big time. You know, he was only really known for being a, a social media star as opposed to, in my eyes anyway, an elite tactician in the ring. I think Ryan Garcia has always held his chin up a bit too high. He's always looked like a knockout waiting to happen. And ironically, even though he does hold his chin up in the air, he was uh, down by a body shot when it comes to tank. Um, I mean, I don't know if you want to sort of mention Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney in a bit more, more depth, but uh, I mean, I would to, to go to that, to jump to that. I think Ryan Garcia, if, uh, this is his last chance alone because I, th- I think Devin Haney's going to make him look like a fool, to be honest. He was doing all the pushing and the shoving at an airport the other day, I think. Um, but making yourself look like a prat and, and shoving and pushing, it doesn't really matter, does it, when you're on the end of a superb jab? Uh, I actually want Garcia gone out of boxing now because all that rubbish winds me up. We're in a, we're in a profession of violence. Do you talking with your fists? You don't need to mouth off about how many social media followers you've got. And yeah, I just think he's he's short of elite level, right, Garcia? I know I've sort of Uh, I do apologise, Sean, I've waffled on there, maybe gone beyond the scope of your question, but yeah, I hope I've answered it.
0: No, no, you've answered the question, I'm sure you've answered it for the listeners as to what your thoughts are on on what To does next. I suppose it is a nice way to blend into the announcement of Garcia versus Haney, with them all being around the same weight categories, jumping up and down between the weights, it probably is a good time to talk about that announcement and happening, and I'm just surprised that he's talked his way into the fight, if I'm being totally honest. honest with you what has garcia done to deserve a devon haney fight when there is other people deserving i think tfmo lopez should be getting the fight why why does why does ryan garcia warrant getting this fight money it's money it is social media following yeah he might be mouthing off about it and we might not like it but the fact of the matter is he's bringing money to the table and that is what team haney are probably seeing thinking yeah this is a good payday for us and it will also be a payday where we can get a really big win and then they can move on to another hard fight for themselves they might see that as a a potential to excel themselves for me they wouldn't take that fight if there wasn't any benefit in taking that fight because there's no reason for team Haney to take that fight in my opinion there isn't you can trash talk all he wants Ryan Garcia but there's no reason for Haney to have took that fight other than to take a hell of a lot of money, which is probably ending up on the table, which is why the fight's happening. I am like you. You know, Ryan Garcia hasn't done anything enough in the sport for me to to warrant getting these these big fights. I mean, he's had the tank fight now and now he's going in against Haine. If he if he loses that fight, surely that's gotta knock him down a peg of three. Not just a peg of two, a peg of three, because if he can't if he can't mix it with the elite level fighters now, then he isn't he isn't good enough at that level. He, yes, he might be a, a he might be the sort of fighter that could win a world title against a weaker champion like we were talking about a few weeks ago with Roly Romero, for example. He might be the type of fighter that could beat a Roly Romero and win a world title in that regard, but he's not going to be the type of fighter that goes on and beats Devin Hayner. He'd have to pull out one of the best performances of his life and he would have to hope that Devin is having an off night. For him to be able to get that victory over Devon Haney, so early predictions before that fight even comes around in a couple of months, I'm already saying it now that he doesn't beat Devon Haney. It brings money to the table for them, and I can imagine that's why they have took the fight. It's 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 not in a fight. It's not a fight that appeals to me, but I will tune in because I will want to see what will happen because you just never know with this sport sometimes. Someone will go in there and pull off an absolute performance and we could be left absolutely shell-shocked. But I think the both of us are resounded in our opinions that Devin Haney's going to put him on the end of that jab and he's going to I think he's going to put him away. And I think, hopefully, he'll put him away and knock him down a peg of three. And, you know, in some ways, I hope Ryan Garcia goes away, does the right things for himself in the sport and comes back a better fighter for it. I know you're saying you want him out of the sport completely, but if it was something that got him down a peg of three and it made him a better fighter, and he came back a better fighter, then I'd accept that. But I suppose Tank's already done that with him, and look, he's still mouthing off, he's still putting himself out there to get these fights, and lo and behold, he's essentially jumped the queue, hasn't he, to get a big fight like this, when there's other worthy contenders that are in a better position than he is to be taking that fight.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that, and maybe I'm a bit harsh saying I want him out of the sport, but I'll uh, I'll qualify Again, that that uh, that response with what I'm about to say. I'm just sick of hearing all this. You know, Ryan Garcia is a pretty boy. Ryan Garcia has got followers and all that. And the biggest thing that grates on me is the fact that you know, early on in his career, and you still you're still hearing it occasionally, these comparisons to Oscar De La Hoya. Now. That, to me, is just purely disrespectful. Oscar de la Hoya was, you know, he was a, a medalist at the Olympics. I think he, he was a gold medalist when he saw 1992, I believe, in Barcelona. Um, you know, he, he'd sealed the deal before he'd even got in a professional ring. He'd made his money with his fists, not just with his good looks. Do you know what I mean? And to, to, to compare Ryan Garcia to him, it's just, yeah, just utterly disrespectful. I don't like that, you know, I'm not interested in this sport because of the mouth I'm interested in this sport because of the fists and Ryan Garcia is all mouth um yeah I've no doubt he can fight to a level but I just don't see him uh, I don't see him in with the elites he struggled against the likes of Luke Campbell who was a, an elite amateur himself um all right he got the win but again Campbell put him down the chin was up in the air and I just think anyone with any sort of attacking nauce is going to they're going to put um, Ryan Garcia on his ass. I don't actually think hey, he's got the power to do that, um, but I think we're going to see a wide unanimous decision if those two fight, and I think it's going to be embarrassing. And I would like Ryan Garcia to be embarrassed because I'm sick of this narrative, you know. And it's all right comparing him to Oscar De La Hoya, you know, if you're the media, I suppose, because a lot of Ryan Garcia's fans won't even—I can imagine—they won't even be bothered to to look back and, and really try and see whether there is a comparison there. Um, just laziness, you know, the, the, they're happy to go onto Instagram and just like and do whatever you have to do on Instagram. But yeah, just actually check Oscar De La Hoya's career. Um, pay him a bit of respect. Don't compare him to some young upstart who's never actually won a, a proper world title or, or looks close to doing it, I think. It's just disrespectful. That's why I want him out of the sport. Either, you know, shut up and get on with it and, Actually, throw right hooks instead of stupid jives where you're pushing and shoving at airports, you know? Um, yeah, I'm just going on a rant at this point. We're not uh, we're not on shooting the breeze, are we, Sean? So I'll just I'll let you carry on.
0: <laughs> no, no, not shooting the breeze this one, but I understand the frustrations around it and you're probably echoing the sentiments of others that listen to us. That probably feel the same. I can imagine you guys listening. There's a few years out there that feel exactly the same about Ryan Garcia, and I'm sure if you do, you'll drop us a comment and you'll let us know at BTR Boxing Pod on x or on facebook or on instagram of course you can do that on all the social media platforms so we're going to move on then back to our shores in the uk i want to talk about the Hamza Sheraz and liam williams fight that was part of the big fight preview program last week we talked about this fight being a crossroads fight we talked about it being a fight where we would see what Hamza Sheraz had and whether he was good enough to be a fringe will contender in liam williams and boy was he good enough he certainly beat the crap out of Liam Williams and you said it pretty much at the start of the show about him being a little bit of a skeleton which I thought was a pretty funny comment. Uh, Probably he won't feel appreciated by that comment Mr Williams of course but at the end of the day we looked at that fight and we saw one guy who we said we didn't know what he had left and that we were going to find out and we wasn't sure how good Hamza Sheraz was and this would be another good benchmark for him. To show the world where he is and to destroy Liam Williams in a round is is big news. It's it's big news and it puts him right in that shop window, as you like to say, Jamie. It really has put him in that window because now, in a very boring middleweight division, which is what it is, a boring middleweight division with no stars in there, this is the guy that might turn the middleweight division around a little bit. I want to see him now in the big fights, I think. We've seen him progress We've seen him in difficult fights. We've seen him getting to close calls, of course, against Bradley Skeet, where people felt like, you know, that should have been a rematch and and he was losing that fight, et cetera, et cetera. Every fighter in the sport gets away with something at least once. And I think that was Hamza Sheraz's moment. He got away with one against Skeet. The rematch didn't happen. They've learned from it. They've moved on. They've gone and beat a former world title challenger in Liam Williams in one round, something that other fighters couldn't do. So that looks really good on Gerard's record now moving forward. And yeah, I want to see him in the big fights. I think he's he's got to move forward now. He's, there's no point of staying stagnant in the same position fighting top 30 contenders. He needs to be pushing for the top five in the world because that that's where he is now. He's, he's got to have elevated himself right up now to a position where the sanctioning bodies have got to look at him and start putting him into positions to potentially becoming a a mandatory at some point down the line. You know, we've got Chris Eubank Jr., of course, in the division, who also beat Liam Williams in in an emphatic fashion but not in one round so there you go you've got a domestic comparison straight away where a Sheraz versus Eubank fight would would sell really well of course in this country but then you've got the likes of Chani back up at the top of the division who's regarded as the best in this division you know if I'm Hamza Sheraz I'd be shooting for the stars and I'd be shooting my shot and I'd be wanting to go for these big fights like that because there's no time like the present now to know whether he's ready or not so before we talk about Liam and where his career goes from this point onwards I just want to take a moment again Jamie then just to reflect on Shiraz's performance and where he goes now and I wanted to take your take on it to see what you think about what I'm saying for him moving forward
1: you're probably going to think I'm just being a grumpy grumpy sod tonight um you you said you said, and you were quite right. You know, Liam Williams had the crap beaten out of him, but the fact is, there was no crap left to to beat. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it, it was like, I don't know. I, I can't even can't can't even make an analogy. There was just nothing left. I I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there now and say I have not seen a fighter who has looked worse than that. Uh, I I don't think I've seen a fighter that's look worse than that when they've already been considered shot. He just had nothing left. It looked like a breeze was going to blow him over. So, yeah, I mean, whilst, of course, you're going to be sat there and you're going to think, oh, yeah, um, he should be shooting for the stars, as you've said, Hamza Shiraz. Um, I'd like to see him in against another sort of solid domestic opponent. Um, Whether you think that's a backward step, I, I understand if you do, but... You know, against Bradley Skeet, I was one of the people and I was on another podcast at the time and i vociferously sort of uh, expressed my opinion on that. Uh, Bradley Skeet was beating Shiraz comfortably. Um, and then, obviously, we had the controversy. Uh, but we've not really seen him, you know, other than sort of Bradley Skeet, who it was very ropey until he got the TKO that shouldn't have been a TKO, in my opinion. Who else has he really fought? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, he's fought a fought a prospect in River Wilson Bent, and then after that, he's sort of doing the Anthony Yard thing, where he's fighting these sort of middle of the road, you know, bus drivers. I wouldn't even say taxi drivers. They're, they're a bit better than that. They can drive bigger vehicles. Um, but that is in no way indicative of how they're going to fare against the likes of Yanni You know, um, I would like to see him in with uh, a, again. The likes of, say, someone like Zach Chelley, someone who's going to be a little bit more solid. Liam Williams was solid in his day, but again, he's got nothing left. And I worry about his health in the future, to be honest with you. He just looks an absolute mess. Um, yeah, get get him in. Let's see what he can do against a domestic level operator, maybe for British title, something like that. And then and then we can start uh, trumpeting because end of the day Bradley Skeet was a bit of a corpse when he blessed him and he, he managed to outbox him he managed to outbox Shiraz so I'm not jumping on the bandwagon yet he looks impressive because he's knocking out sort of shadows of men and you know you you sort of Eastern European cab drivers um, when we get him in with someone who's a little bit more sturdy and I'll start sort of trumpeting a little bit more so yeah uh, you can call me miserable if you want Sean but that's my assessment So you've kind of mentioned
0: your thoughts really on on Liam and where he he goes next. And I think for me at this point, I'm quite solidified in my mind that I think he does need to call it a day at this point, unless he decides to move up in weight. That would be the only thing he could possibly do now at this stage of his career because he's boxed at super welterweight and he's boxed at middleweight. Moving up to super middleweight might be his last option if he doesn't retire because obviously the super middleweight division domestically is quite competitive and I think there could be some interesting fights for him up there. However, I think having seen him against Eubank, having seen him against Gerrard, his punch resistance doesn't seem to be there anymore. Whether that is an issue with him making the weight, I don't know. It could be but then also it could just be that his punch resistance is shot and that he does need to retire. Only time's going to tell. He'll make that decision himself with his family as to whether that's the right thing for him and his family to do, which is just for him to retire, or whether he takes a chance and moves up to, to super middle and is convinced by his team around him to move up to super middle. That would be the only thing he could possibly do at this stage of his career now. I don't think there's there's nothing more, personally, for him to do, but you know, if he's trying to... If he's trying to get some more money in his pocket, that would be the way to do it, certainly. But he didn't look great, like you say, Jeremy. I will agree with you. Despite the fact that you are on a a little bit of a rant on this episode today about certain people and certain moments, I'll certainly agree with you on this one. I, I don't think he looks the same fighter anymore, and that may be... In an ideal world, you'd want to see him retire to keep his faculties intact, and, and that's kind of where I see Liam Williams at this point, but there are options, and it wouldn't surprise me if, in the next couple of months, you hear him going up to Super Middle and taking a couple of fights up there and and seeing how he gets on, so that was the other big fight that we previewed from the weekend, but we did mention, didn't we, the, the Liam Dillon, Reese Pilotti fight, you know, I was on the zone, and that uh, it might be a decent fight, and Actually, it turned out to be the best fight of the weekend for me, the most all-action fight. And you pretty much summed it up really well at the start of the show when you talked about how it was nostalgic for you to see a British title fight where it felt like British title fights have owed two fighters willing to put it all on the line to become champion. Obviously, we knew that both of them going into it each held a belt, but the fact that Reese Bellotti now is has become a British champion uh, after beating Liam Dillam points in a, in a great fight, it, it's, it's quite a success story because, you know, he's had five defeats on his record. And I'll be honest with you, he was a fighter that I genuinely, a few fights before, didn't think he'd... he'd progress back to this this level of him being totally honest with you. When he had them three losses on the bounce against Grandelli, Jordan, Gill and Raymond Ford, I honestly looked at him and I thought, he's going to start to become one of those fighters that people use as a bit of a benchmark. And then when he went in and beat Dean Dodge, who was a, a prospect in the super featherweight division... And then he beats Yusuf Kamara, who is another good operator around that level. And then he went and beat Akib Fiat. I was like, well, right, okay. Now I need to really shut up and start paying attention to whatever he's doing behind the scenes because, you know, he's he's really brought his career back round again. And then with this victory now against Liam Dylan, he's brought his career into a a, a a purple patch or a resurgence or whatever analogy or terminology you want to use to describe it. He's just put himself in that position where he can now push again back on for for big fights when a couple of years ago you probably would have thought there wouldn't have been a chance that he would have got involved in a 12-round a barnstormer like he did against Liam Dillon and come out on top and it was really good it was really good to see him as a boxer and going up against a puncher who was quite frenetic in his pace and was trying to basically blow Bellotti out of there in any way he could and he just couldn't do it and Bellotti weren't going anywhere and he used his lateral movement and he used his ability to pick a punch really well and he landed really well on Liam Dillon. And Liam Dillon helped create a really good fight between the two of them, but Reese was just the more quality operator on the night. But it created a, a really, really good fight. And I think what helped is something that we talked about off air, which was when you talked about the venue for it, and I mentioned it was the O2, and it was surprising because it it was obviously a lot smaller than what the O2s used to. So they'd, they'd sort of minimised it down due to the probably the amount of tickets that were sold for it. It would have been a great fight in the York Hall. This it really would have been a real big fight feel with that atmosphere in the York Hall. But I understand why it was done at the O2 because you know there were some other big names domestically on the scene that were involved in fights on this card. But that for me, Jamie, that was the fight of the weekend.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, I don't want to repeat myself, but it just you know it made me smile as as uh, as much as. You know, brutality in boxing and that and two men beating the crap out of each other can make you smile. It made me smile. And um, it's just nice when you get a good luck story Uh, like Belotti there. You know, he's been on the the end of some bad, bad nights. Um, But we've actually got Belotti's son to thank for this victory because uh, Belotti's actually credited him because his son was doubting him, you know, and just saying he didn't think he could do it. And it sort of forced him into his rocky moment. You know, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show the world. I'm not. Going to, but I'm not just going to go the distance. I'm going to go and I'm going to um, pick up that belt. And it's just nice to see that in an era that we're in at the moment where the British title doesn't get as much sort of uh, credence as it once did in my eyes. You know, the, the TV companies, they're just not as interested in it, are they? The sooner put it, uh, you know, WBC, Razzle Dazzle, Intercontinental Championship belt clash on than a proper British title fight, uh, Commonwealth title fight. Just nice to see it getting the respect it deserves and and two fighters really willing to, well, maybe it's extreme to say, but they look like they were willing to die in there for that. And, you know, it's, it's great to see that Lord Lonsdale belt, as beautiful as it is, getting the respect it deserves. Absolutely.
0: I couldn't have said it better myself. It was a great fight. We saw Craig Richards also get a victory on this card against Boris Crichton. Cameron Vuong get a victory via TKO. John Hedges returning to the ring with a TKO also on this particular card. On the Frank Warren Queensbury card, Sam Noakes Got a fourth round TKO against Louis Sylvester. If you saw that fight, it was a really interesting fight as well. I thoroughly enjoyed seeing the victory for Sam Noakes, who continues to move on in his career. That's 13 wins on his record, 13 stoppages on his record. He's looking really, really good in this lightweight division so far. So if you're an American listener, or you're listening from Australia or Canada, wherever you're listening to, listen, get on Sam Noakes. If you have not already on Sam Noakes, Keep an eye on him, because I guarantee you in the next year or so, he'll be in some big fights. Anthony Yard made pretty much light work of his opponent, Marco Nikolich. I know a couple of weeks ago, Jamie, you pretty much alluded to the fact that it was going to be like that, and it was exactly what it was going to be. With Anthony Yard's career, of course, what we've seen is him take a fight against somebody unknown, and then in the next fight, he'll take a big fight. And there's a lot of talk still around him fighting next which is still interesting to see that a lot of people are having this conversation and it might actually happen despite there being obviously different networks and different promoters involved. It'll be good if it happens because that's the fight that we do need to see. And Anthony Yard, I think he shouldn't be taking these fights at this stage of his career. I think he needs to be taking and pushing for the absolute big fights at this point. Going back down, moving back up. I just don't think it does him any good for his career personally. But I'm not his boxing coach. I'm not his team. Who am I to tell anybody how to manage Anthony Yard as a fighter? Personally though, as a fan, I don't want to see him keep taking these fights. I want to see him move forward in his career. So he moves on in his career. Eyes on potentially a Buwazi fight and also eyes probably on the Bivo Baturbi fight in June as well. Victories also on this card for Tommy Fletcher, Carol Atama, Aloz Yombe and Uma Khan also featured on this particular card as well. If you did tune into it, it, it was pretty decent weekend for boxing to be fair. I enjoyed some of the fights. There were some good moments albeit some controversial, supposedly controversial moments. But other than that, it was, a, it was a relatively decent weekend for the sport in what was going to be lined up for a, a potentially a historic weekend in the sport, which we are now not getting, of course, because Fury and Usyk isn't happening. So, as we come towards the end of the episode, the only real piece of information to talk about, Jamie, is today a lot of outlets are reporting that, Canelo is about to make a huge announcement on Thursday. It's Monday, we're recording it on Monday as we normally do, or a Sunday with our reaction shows. And on Thursday this week, apparently he's going on Azteca TV in Mexico and he's making a huge announcement. Now, of course, the rumours are absolutely rife about what that announcement is, with some suspecting that he might actually be retiring. I mean, it's crazy to even think that he would retire at this stage when he's got the world at his feet and the money in the palm of his hand but others do believe it might be the announcement of a Jaime Munguia fight and not a Jamal Charlo fight I'm hoping it's a David Benavidez fight that's what I'm hoping any suspicions any theories any comments Jamie about what this potentially could be with it being announced that he's making this big announcement on Azteca TV in Mexico
1: well, with it being Azteca TV, yes, uh, as you say, Mexican TV station, it's got to be. Um, for me, I, th- I don't think retirement or at edge yet. There's still money to be made. Um, his next fight, if you go in by the pattern that he, he generally goes by, the old Mayweather pattern, his next fight will be May the 4th. I think he's going to be announcing that, that fight. And if he's if he's making the announcement on Azteca TV, I think he will be bypassing the uh, Charlo fight and he's got to be one of the Mexicans. Um, like you, I think uh, I want i want it to be David Benavidez, but I don't think it will be David Benavidez. I think it will be Jaime Munguia um, and I think Benavidez, if he's going to get the chance to play the Canelo sweepstakes, I think he's going to be the last fight in Canelo's career. Uh, perhaps May uh, see whether Canelo can get Jaime Munger out of there quickly, which I think he probably can do. To be honest, um, I think he'll get roughed up a little bit, but I think he'll, you know, Munger likes to come and fight, and I think that plays into plays into uh, Canelo's hands. Um, I think that's going to be the announcement: Munger against Canelo, and then we'll see what happens in September. And I think September, hopefully, will be Benavides, but that's you know, I'm, I'm just. Just taking a shot there. I can't see him announcing his uh, announcing his retirement when you've got May coming up and that's Cinco de Mayo weekend and he's doing it on Mexican TV.
0: No, I'm not believing that speculation, to be honest. It's just, it's always a good talking point. It's always a good thing to theorise over. And I'm sure by the end of the week, we're going to know. Social media is going to be alight by what the announcement is. Whether it's Moncway maybe it's Benavidez. Maybe it is even Charlo in Mexico. We just don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Hopefully, it'll be a fight announcement that we all want to see. You never even know. It might even be Canelo versus Crawford. I mean, what would that do to social media if that fight was announced on Thursday? Loads of talk has been about that over the past couple of months. I don't want it to happen, if I'm being totally honest with you, because it's, for me, in terms of weight categories, it's it's a mismatch. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I reckon it's Munguia. Personally speaking, I think it's Munguia. That's what I've got my money on, with it being a Jaime Munguia fight in Mexico, which would be a... Still a good fight, as we spoke about when Munguia fought a few weeks ago against John Ryder. But it's not the fight we want to see, guys. We do want to see the Benavides fight. But as you've rightly said, that will probably come either his very last fight or second to last fight in his career before he decides to call time on it. Well, I think that's about it for this episode, guys. We've got nothing more to discuss for this big fight reaction show. If there is anything that we've covered that you do want to comment on, please go and do it. I've given you the social media handle on X. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And if you want to find any of the series-based content on YouTube, a lot of it goes up on there as well. So please just do go and have a quick look and subscribe to the necessary platforms and channels. It would be really appreciated if you could do so. Again, as I said at the start of the episode, I mentioned about the Latest Legendary Nights episode which has just been released, which is the tale of Nigel Ben versus Chris Eubank. A very nostalgic one for myself and Johnston to have covered and there will be an after show following it tomorrow. The after show does get re-released with Luke. You'll hear his perception of of Ben versus Eubank from someone who watched it from the States so it really is a great conversation to have had with Lukey about what he saw within Ben versus Eubank, their tale and their story and how that translated across the other side of the pond. Finally I just want to say thank you to our patrons who will have had early access to that particular episode and they've had access to all of those episodes for this season so far. They've had it all ad-free as well and they've also got access to the after show earlier and they've got all the content that is not on the main feed so please if you are not a patron and you want access to all of that content that hasn't been released anywhere else you can find us at patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast well thank big thanks to jamie thank you for coming on the show as always and a big thanks for everybody for listening to the show and we will see you next time on our Big fight previews and reactions on the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. The dream is made real!
1: Ricky rocks the world! How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was fifty years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over! Podcast Network.